Welcome to today's episode of Place by Mahmoud. And our today's guest is an investor, property developer, host of the Nicole Bramner podcast, and also the best-selling author of Breaking It. And she is none other than Nicole Bramner. And so I have got a question to ask. How are you feeling today? <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. I've got a lot going on today. It's a very busy day, but uh, yeah, the sun's shining here in uh, in where I am, just outside of London, and uh, it's hard not to feel good on a day like this. <laughs> yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely right that you're going to have a busy day. Uh, so tell us about how did everything got started? So how did you, like 10 years ago, how did you... I went from, say, at home mom to a, having a portfolio of, of over millions. Yeah, so how it started is that I had uh, I'd, I'd worked in banking for many years in investment. And I had, yeah, I was just looking for something else. I'd had two children and very quickly back to uh, back. And I couldn't go back into banking because I felt like I was a part timer. So I was looking for something else to do. And I tried lots of other things and nothing really worked out for me. And then it was while renovating my own home, I had my second, a third child. And I thought, actually, maybe there's something that is in this, maybe I can do property uh, full time as a career. And that's really how it started. I did my own home, then I did some other properties. And I kept building from from then just uh, yeah, buying and developing and selling on more, more and more properties. Yeah, okay, understandable. So how long was it ago? That was 11 years ago that I first started. Uh, I, I bought my first flat that I renovated and sold in 2004. And that flat did incredibly well. But the when I first became a professional uh, property de developer was uh, in about 2009, 10. Okay. That's really long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like what other career choices that you were thinking about? Like uh, in which directions did you go before becoming a property developer? I tried everything. I lived in New York, so I was teaching knitting classes in New York. I was, I tried uh, photography, I tried uh, food blogging. I looked at all sorts of things, just <laughs> so many different things. And then finally I found that I loved property developing and that I seemed to be quite good at it. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. So, like, what was the first step, like, other than just renovating your home? So, like, uh, from renovating your home to becoming an actual professional, so what was the first step towards that? The first step was looking at what it meant to be a property developer and looking at the, the various ways of structuring the company, writing up business plans, uh, making sure that we had all the right legal side in place, uh, just how are we going to finance them? How are we going to manage them? How were we going to then, what strategy was it going to be? Were we going to keep these properties? Were, were we going to sell them? Uh, and it was just a, a lot of thinking about the strategy first before even purchasing my first property. Okay. So like after renovating your home, like when was it? So like, uh, did, it, did you best bought the first home, like after your extra renovating your home, after six months or a year later? 
It took quite a while, actually, to find the right property. I looked for a really long time while my property was being renovated. So, um, yeah, we I just looked and looked and finally I found the right property and it was already under offer. But I convinced the uh, the agent to put my offer forward because the other people had not been progressing very quickly. So he put that he put my offer forward and the uh, the sellers accepted my offer instead of the other one. And that was my first one. And that was in 2000. And uh, when was that? 2011. Okay, awesome. So one thing that you mentioned, like uh, you did things fast compared to the other developers. So do you think that's a competitive advantage? Yeah, um, I think the only thing I did fast was build up from doing single homes through to developing out, say, 49 flats in Luton and having six projects on the go at one time. I think that's the only thing that I did fast. And in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have been that fast. But uh, it did allow me to scale up my portfolio very quickly, uh, which is probably not the best thing to do, actually. But yeah, it did. It allowed me to scale up that portfolio very quickly. Okay. So why is it not good to scale up fast? I think that the best thing to say is that life is a marathon, not a sprint. And the whole idea is just to get to the finish line. It doesn't matter how fast you get there as long as you get there. And there are so many property developers who don't make it to the finish line because they run out of money and uh, are unable to finish projects. Property developing is incredibly difficult. And I think that one of the one something that people believe is that property development is a get rich quick scheme and it's not that at all it's incredibly difficult it takes a lot of time and you can come unstuck very quickly if you're not careful so I think that's why you've just got to be really slow and steady uh, with your approach absolutely so like how did you learn this so like uh, was there any situation that you faced through which you learned that it takes long time and it will be like a longer sprint than, sorry, not longer sprint, but a marathon other than just a sprint. Like, uh, was there any turning point in the process? Yeah, I think that after my first few projects, when I went over budget and things started to crop up, such as sales were taking longer, it was harder to, harder to sell properties, I realized I was very fortunate with my first properties that I, I renovated and sold because the market was moving very rapidly and increasing. And I was not going to be so lucky with the later properties that I did that. This is a market, it's cyclical, and you have to be aware of that. So it was really just from my own experience and making mistakes and uh, realizing, okay, I did this incorrectly. This is not what you should do. You should be doing it another way. And as soon as you realize that, then you can, uh, yeah, you can take the right steps to make sure that you don't make those same mistakes again. Absolutely, learning from the mistakes that you make. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so one thing though, so like, how important do you think is the importance of, like, let's say, the strategy, or like that having the financial knowledge. To actually come in property development business? Yeah, it is. It's very important to be prudent when you're working out a, a strategy and also working out the finance. 
And it's very, very important because if you run out of cash, then it doesn't matter how good you are at a property de- property development, you're going to run out of cash. And so it's it's just that is the most important thing. With the strategy, while it's very good to have a strategy in place, what you also need to do is be incredibly nimble to be able to change that strategy if circumstances change. So for me on one particular project, I have always bought, renovated and sold properties. But on one particular project, we just couldn't sell it for the right price. So it was about then thinking, okay, my strategy is to sell, but we are now going to need to do something different. And that's when we looked at holding that particular property and renting it out. So it's just about being very nimble and adaptive so that if your strategy doesn't work, just to be able to say, okay, let's uh, let's change this up a bit. Let's pivot this and let's see what will work in these circumstances. Okay, absolutely. So the strategy, strategy completely changed from like selling to just renting out. Like it's just like it's completely two different things, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but let's let's say someone is just starting out as a property developer. So, what uh, she's like, what things that she have to keep in mind? Yeah, there there are lots of things to think about. First of all, it's your strategy and how much time you've got to 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 work on this business because if you're still have if you still have another job and you're trying to set this up on the side then obviously you won't have much time so you'll need to hire people to be your eyes and ears on the ground uh, if you've got a lot of time it might mean that you can be more hands on with this so you might want to think about a strategy that involves you being on site all day every day and how that will be different so you've got to look at your own circumstances and your own time you've got to look at how much cash you have and how much you're able to borrow and that's ensuring that you keep a, a nice kitty back so that if um, if you run out of money, well, hopefully you don't run out of money. Uh, so that that's why you've got to be really sure about how much things are going to cost. And just be really careful with the professionals that you surround yourself with. It's really good to have experienced people around you, but just make sure that you're covered with very good contracts and agreements in place so that if the very worst thing happens, if say they pass away or if their situation changes, your situation is not um, is not impacted by that. Okay. So as you said, like it's it's uh, it's very important to have other professional, experienced professionals, to be working with you. Uh, so what exactly do you mean by like uh, are they uh, like working for you or are they like partners or something? You can have both. You can hire them in and you pay them to uh, to be your, your contractors uh, or you can partner with them. You might be able to find, let's just say you're a builder and you can build and you've got a great team, but you lack the expertise to manage a project uh, from a from the finance perspective and from pulling together the right professionals such as the architect and the quantity surveyor and the monitoring surveyor and communicating with the bank that sort of thing you may not want to do that so you can then partner with someone who has got those skills and then you can decide how you want to split the the profit at the end Uh, so yeah it's you can you can do either or, and it just depends on your situation and whether you have found someone that you can trust that you can partner with. Yeah, most of the topics are extremely new to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
so I'm like, I maybe a relative of mine is into property development, but I actually have no idea about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, so other than that, so what exact steps? So uh, let's say if there are three steps that I need to take, let's say I'm turning into a property developer. So like the, I need to take three steps uh, to become a property developer. So what would that be? The first one is decide what strategy you have for uh, what you want to do, whether you want to buy, renovate and sell, or whether you want to buy and hold, uh, you might want to buy and hold and have a holiday house or something like that, that you rent out to people. So that's the first thing. The second thing is have a really realistic look at how much cash and how many how much funds you've got available for that and how much you've got access to should um, you need need more money. And then thirdly is just to start looking. Start looking at properties and keep a spreadsheet of every property that you can see that you think would be suitable for you and your strategy. Uh, write down everything about it and just keep track of what's available for sale, what's what's not available for sale, how much things are selling for and get to know some of the local apps uh, estate agents and really just delve into your local area so that you know it very intimately. Amazing. So like, um, let's say you are starting out. So how much fun do you need to actually start, start out to do property development? Much more than you think you need <laughs> is the answer. That's <laughs> uh, really, really hard to answer because it depends where you are. You can buy some houses in the north of England for £5,000. You can buy some properties in the southeast for, and other places for £5 million. So it depends how much you have. So it's very, very difficult. But I think the answer to that is much more than you think. And always allow yourself at least a 10% contingency. So a 10% fund of additional money that you don't believe you will need to just allow that. So if things do go wrong, at least you have that because you are always going to use that 10% and need more. So that is a given. So always have at least 10% more than what you need. Okay. Uh, so let's say, uh, uh let's say a new property developer is starting out in London, so where you are. So how much initial fund will he need? Uh, yeah. Well, the average uh, property price in London is, I believe it's well over, I think it's over half a million pounds now. So if you think about that, if you're looking at, uh, you'll probably need somewhere around a 25% deposit uh, so you're, yeah, yeah, you're looking at <laughs> quite a lot uh, right up front. So if you're looking at 25% of half a million, that's what, 250, 125. So you need 125,000. And then you need any money for the works that you might need. So let's just say it needs 75,000 pounds for works. So there is, uh, there's 200,000 already. And then you need a contingency. So you'll need 220,000 pounds just to buy an average property in London. Okay. So you're pretty good at maths. <laughs> and <Yeah>. you are... <laughs> so you also have to be pretty good at maths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really helps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. So how how can someone if if someone had let's say doesn't have funds yet, so or have less quite less funds compared to uh, what he needs, so how does he get more fund? Well, there's the banks. You can uh, borrow from the banks, but you do need to have some experience, and you do need to have a great property and things like that. Or uh, you can also go through crowdfunding. Crowdfunding is an option as well that a lot of people are using. So you can take your great property uh, to the market and the crowd can fund that for you. It's going to be very difficult though to do that unless you've got a lot of experience for that. So uh, it is challenging. It really is challenging. And that's why I just think that having a think about what you might want to do and you may be based in London, but think, okay, well, it's easy for me to drive say an hour to work. So an hour from where you live, there might be opportunities within that that you can you can look at investing in. Also, what we're realizing is that we don't have to live in central cities anymore. Lots of people are moving out of cities. So have a think about where you might be able to get a, a better lifestyle and look at uh, buying and renovating or renting out in another area. Also, you if you are just renting out and you've got someone man- managing those properties for you, you don't have to be anywhere near them. You can buy properties. If you live in the north, you can buy properties in the south by the seaside and have someone manage those as holiday lets. It all just depends on what your strategy is. Okay. Okay. So I'm very curious to know about like the crowdfunding thing. So like, so how do you go about it? Like, do you have to first purchase uh, that property or like, let's say you have to give the down payments and then uh, let's say, you go to go to the market and then ask people like how was the process for crowdfunding you do need to have secured the property first so that might mean that you've put down a deposit or you've got an option agreement where you've got the right to buy that property or you lose the money that you've just put up as an option so you need to have that secured once that's secured you can then take your proposal to the crowdfunding platform they will then review that and ensure that it's compliant and meets with regulations. Once that's done, then they will uh, put it out to the market and you're able to to market that to the various um, uh, crowdfunding platform investors. So which are the crowdfunding platforms that you prefer? Oh, there are, there's Leo Crowd, there's, uh, there's a crowd with us, uh, Cogress is another really good one uh, that I've worked with before, and uh, Simple Crowdfunding, there are numerous uh, that I can't think of at the top of my head, but I think all of them are pretty, are pretty good, so yeah, many, many opportunities there. Absolutely, absolutely. So like, uh, where, so how much does like, what percentage do you have to give to like, how, like how the share to share works in the crowdfunding process? It can work any way you want to set it up. There are no, I think with crowd, crowd property, that's another really good one. They'll just pay you a fixed amount. So I think they'll pay you, if you're an investor, they'll pay you six percent or eight percent i can't quite remember uh percent return on your money and uh if you're an investor if you're the if you own the property and you're going to them to raise money then you have to pay crowd property uh ten percent 
and uh, and then they keep the two percent and pay the other eight percent uh, or I think it is out to the crowd. So it just it depends on the platform. It depends whether you're raising debt or equity, and uh, it it just it really depends. You can structure this any way you like, depending on the crowdfunding platform. Okay. So what's the difference between like raising debt and equity? Like what's the difference in in, in those two? Yeah. So debt. Debt ranks first when it comes to uh, having a security on the property. So let's just say in the unfortunate position that you're winding down the company or, uh, or even if you're paying back your investors, debt is more senior, so it is paid out first. And then equity. Debt, they don't own a slice of that company but they have a security on the company, if that makes sense, whereas the equity holders own the property. They are shareholders. So they do actually have a, a share in that property and uh, their return is based on the return of that company. So does that make sense where you've got the, the debt don't own the company, but they'll have a security over an asset and they get paid back first, whereas the equity own a slice of that company and they get paid back second after the debt. Yeah. Okay. So the like the, they're just for legal legal partners, let's say, like for the equity owners, and, mm-hmm. and they every year they take funds, less uh, part of the profits and anything that we earn. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so if the pro- property does well, so like how I'm not gonna ask how much, but. Uh, so does every single one is assured that uh, every single owner person who actually uh, paid the debt, like you got funding from debt, so every single person got, gets the, every penny back? No, you have no idea. It's a high-risk investment and you can lose every penny that you invested in or you could get a return. It's No one can guarantee that unless there is a guarantee. If you're a debt holder... You can, uh, you can put in a claim to get back some of the money that you put in if there are any assets within the company. If there are no assets in the company, you can't get any back. So it really, property is a high-risk investment and it needs to be viewed as a high-risk investment. So you can lose everything that you put in. Okay. I'm getting knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. So, like, uh, when you started out, like, which were the f- important elements that you missed? Uh, I think that I was probably a little bit too trusting of various partners that I had uh, in. I thought that they were doing things that they weren't doing, so they weren't um, carrying out their part of the project. And I think that uh, we didn't have the right systems in place, so reporting systems and things like that just having really good apps that you could use to keep track of progress on site of inventory um, working capital and those sorts of things so these these were some of the mistakes that i definitely made in the beginning and won't be making again (laughs) yeah so those two are first at first are basically having good partners who you can completely trust and then it's having proper systems or like applica- using applications to manage all these things. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, yes, these are very important things. And 
So other than that, so like, uh, what's would be your mission in life? Let's say. So yeah. Yeah, I think that um, I've worked really hard over the last twenty five years uh, since and beyond that. Even from the time I was allowed to work, I've worked really, really hard, coming up to thirty years, and I'm. I'm realizing as I get older that there's more to life than work and there's more to life than making money. So over the uh, over the next uh, couple of years, I'm hoping to wind down and not do so much work and just really make what I do count and make it be things that I really enjoy and I want to do, like my podcast. And then apart from that, I just I want to explore. I want to live a life of exploration and. Perhaps um, my my partner uh, Paul has a boat, and we want to spend a lot of time just sailing around on our boat and exploring just the the farthest parts of the world, Southeast Asia. And we might go somewhere and decide that we really like it, and decide that we can help somewhere within the community. Who knows what it might be? And just stay there for a while, allow our children to come and have experiences during their school holidays or after they've finished school as well, where they can really be immersed into societies. And that that could be anywhere. It could be in uh, the Scandinavia. It could be in Southeast Asia. It could be in uh, all sorts of places. So it's just a life of exploring now and uh, and seeing where we go with that. So yeah, that's that's my mission over the next uh, few years. Amazing, amazing. So in your profile, you said like uh, there was it in like amateur sailor. So when did you start to say sailing? I started when I met my partner three years ago and he took me out and I'd not really sailed before that. So it was really good to, to get on a boat and learn how to how to sail. And his boat's quite big. So it was quite frightening. So yeah, that was when I first started. And now I can kind of do night watches and on my own while he's sleeping with uh, lots of helps of all the instruments and things uh, but yeah it's it's really fun I really love it and it's where I feel it's my happy place is just being out in the ocean or out in the sea where there's nothing around just us bobbling bobbing about on the sea and no phone connection nothing just really at peace with with the world and with nature yeah, so here was is something that I actually I'm very curious about because uh, curious I, I'm not sure saying curious but I'm very interested about is that uh, most of the people uh, have never uh, done sailing or I'm not sure even they will do in their life and the thing is that it's not about just sailing but it's about doing something new so that you can understand that it's it is good or bad or is, is it actually yeah. like enjoyable or not so like before you if, if you ever sailed like you you'd have never knew that it is good or bad or like how does it feel right yeah but yeah I, no that's a good point yeah absolutely mm. yeah so it's all about ex- getting new experiences and understanding what's what we can do in life right mm-hmm yeah. So what other experiences do you want to have? Uh, yeah, I think there are not many more uh, physical experience. I don't, I don't want to, I don't know, 
parachute or anything like that. But I've loved, I loved spending time in Nepal and trekking and hiking around Nepal. So definitely do a lot more traveling on land as well and perhaps go to some other countries that people don't often go to. I went to Russia about nearly 20 years ago when not many people went to Russia from outside of Russia. So it was just really nice to be there that that long ago. I went to China about 14, 15 years ago. And again, it was just great to see that before too many people had also visited. So yeah, I love just exploring and I love being, I love hiking, I love skiing and snowboarding. And so it's just about doing more of that and more exploring and yeah, just spending time with friends and family because that's really what's important. Yeah, absolutely. So let's say you, you, you can visit only three countries, uh, then what would that those three be? Oh, that's tricky. Uh, well, Australia, obviously, because I'm from Australia. So I would have to go back to Australia and see all my family. Uh, where else would I go? Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, Greece, because that's that's cheating a bit because there are so many islands in Greece. So you could <laughs> sail around the Greek Isles and never, ever get bored because you'd, you'd always be seeing. So that's cheating a bit, isn't it? <laughs> and what's the other one? I think um, England. Yeah, I love England or the UK. I can say the UK because it's bigger. <laughs> So uh, there you go, Australia, the UK, and Greece. <laughs> yeah, there were two teachings anyway, but doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I I actually never traveled, traveled, tra like traveled outside my country before. I'm hoping mm -hmm. to. Yes. Yeah. So and also like, why don't you want to try skydiving? Oh, I don't like adrenaline. <laughs> so anything that gives me adrenaline I don't like I don't like that feeling of being scared so I don't like heights and uh yeah I, I just don't like that <laughs> no, it might be fun you know like uh I am yeah <laughs> yeah it might be like sailing you, uh, after that you like to fly in the sky who knows maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I uh like uh I want to skydive but uh, like I'm like you a bit like I'm scared of heights a lot but I, I love <laughs> like doing things that scare me yeah 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 so uh, let's say let's go to another topic so also let's say one what would be like one um, misconception that you want to debunk of your industry definitely that uh, there are probably two number one is that it's a get rich quick scheme it is not it takes a huge amount of work and a huge amount of time to become successful and to um, make money in property and even then there are not many people that make a lot of money it's it's just another job and the second thing is that lots of people say that you can start with no money that you use other people's money and I don't believe that I think you need to have your own money uh, you just have to have your own money to start so yeah they're, they're the two things I'd like to to debunk the misconceptions or the myths within uh, property and property developing and property investing. Yeah. Okay. That's also awesome. So do you, do you think like your, um, 
like background with like financial industry or like you said bank accounting that as you mentioned so uh, was it helpful to this uh, profession yeah definitely having a knowledge of finances and being able to put together a financial plan and a business plan for your company is just invaluable no matter what company you're going into so yeah very important to have a knowledge of finance and you don't have to have uh, the right edge you don't have to have the a background in it but what you can do is educate yourself and i do i love doing courses and and just learning things so go and do a a basic accounting for a business a course so that you can learn that and just learn how to read a balance sheet and a profit and loss statement and how to put together a financial plan for your company and if you can't make sure that you've got a very good accountant who can do that and will take the time to explain it to you so that you do understand because it's incredibly important to understand that yeah okay so like uh, are there any books or courses specific courses that you would suggest to the people who don't know about any anything of financial or let's say on accounting so like are there any specific books or let's say courses that you suggest doing them no not that i can think of um right at the moment i think that there if you just go on to amazon you'd be able to find so many books on property finance and cash flow planning and accounting for dummies for example that would be a really good place to start those sorts of books would just give you a really good grounding in those and then you can go on and and find more books that are perhaps more advanced on the accounting side and on the finance side but just learn the basics and it's hard to know what you don't know if you don't know it so just go and and learn those things and and see but be careful with courses because a lot of a lot of people put out these property courses and they make more money from the courses than they do from property because they're not actually in property they're in selling courses so just be a bit careful and some of them are excellent and i'm sure i've not done any but just be a bit careful with those and i think that your local uh colleges and uh online learning centers will have some very uh, reputable and good courses that um, people can do okay that's a good good suggestion yeah so i got in branding like through many books like i have a branding company and like i got i learned every almost everything through books so like i'm pretty weak on like creating financial plans is yet yeah. i still know but like i'm learning <coughs> so that's a like very very good place to start and the one one question here is like uh, what is learning and education to you Yeah it's very important to keep yourself updated and and learn and continue to learn. So uh at the moment I've just enrolled in a an interview skills course through a local journalist uh online uh provider and it's learning from a very experienced interviewer TV presenter on how to interview really well and i'm looking forward to that because that will improve my skills as a podcaster and it will help me just be better at what i love doing so i think it's important i'm about to sign up for another one on writing effective newsletters so it's just i find things that interest me and then look for courses on them and trying to find a little course that i can do over maybe a day or two days or a couple of weeks or something and and look at doing those and i love that because it helps me 
just learn new skills. And I've done dozens of little courses like this on all sorts of things. And I think they're, they're great. They're really good to, to do. Absolutely. So like, why did you started like um, the Nicole Brown-Barmer? Sorry, I'm sorry if I pronounce the name wrong. Like, anyway, That's fine. Yeah. Uh, why did you started the podcast in the first place? The first, the reason I started it right in the very beginning back in 2017 was that I really, I had very interesting conversations with people and I'd have these conversations and think, wow, I wish that other people could share these conversations with me. It's just so interesting. And so that's when I started and there weren't many podcasts around at the time. So it was very easy to get listeners. I was, I had thousands of listeners a month because it, there just weren't that many podcasts out there. So that was really good. Now it's much more competitive and there are so many more podcasts out there. So it's much harder to get listeners, but still it's something that I really enjoy doing. And I just like sharing the conversations that I have with people and I learn something from every single conversation that I have. So it's something that I enjoy and that's, I don't make any money from it. I've got nothing. I don't sell anything. I don't sell courses. I don't sell anything. My book doesn't make me any money. Uh, so all I want to do is just in, do something that I enjoy. And for me, podcasting is something that I enjoy. That's, that's really amazing. Yeah. So like, uh, so as you said, like, tell us about your book. So uh, tell us about your book, Breaking It. So uh, why did you say write it? Yeah, again, I wrote that uh, in 2016. And it was at a time where lots of people would invite me to speak at uh, various events. And a lady just came up to me at one of these events and said, you should write your book. It would be really interesting. You've got a good story. And I thought about it for a while and thought, actually, I do want to write a book. And then it became a goal of mine to write a book. And so I did. I wrote that. And it's it's something that I'm proud of. And not everyone writes a book. I have. Uh, it's it's yeah it's a good book I think and lots of people have bought it and lots of people say the same so for me it's just yeah it was just something that I really wanted to do and I'm proud of myself for, for doing it and following through and putting it out there yeah really so I'm also writing a book right now like not right now in a sense so I started like in last year in like December and I said I wrote a chapter or so and just stopped there from is there. I'm not sure when. What's it about? Uh, it's about like uh, like a weird mix of branding and marketing because like I didn't find any books which were clear about this concept. Uh, where so like like there are two spectrums of like let's say marketers or brand strategies. So uh, one like the marketers or like the today's season marketers were always saying like marketing is only the way to like. You don't need any like let's say branding and stuff, and you just market and you sell. Like that's what mm -hmm. Marcus were saying, and brand strategists were saying just you don't need any marketing and just need branding. So I I wanted to have a common ground where you need both, but in different mm -hmm. scenarios, so that you can make the most out of it and it's the most like the fast in the fastest way. So so I was starting like doing that uh, writing about that but also like after that i got into business a bit more and yeah so like i stopped writing it i hope hopefully i will write finish it by the end of this year maybe mm -hmm. but it, it depends 
Let's see. Yeah. Oh, well, good luck. Good luck. I'd like to read it when you're done. Yeah, absolutely. I'll let you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we are all like almost at the end. So, uh, so where can our listeners find you online or offline? The, yeah. <laughs> well, the best place is uh, NicoleBremner.com. And there you will find all the links to my social media. You'll find the links to, my, excuse me, my podcast and uh, my book and everything else. So yeah, NicoleBremner.com. Yeah. So you can spell it for us so they can use it. Sure. It's N-I-C-O-L-E-B-R-E-M-N-E-R.com. Yeah. Awesome. So we, we will have the links with, the, with it as well. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah also that that tells so again thanks a lot for coming on the podcast and like i i don't have a perfect way to end the podcast so i let you have this seat <laughs> well thank you very much for your time i really appreciated it and i hope that that's given everyone a good insight into what it's like to be a property developer thank you yeah awesome so that's that was a perfect way to end the podcast and thanks again for coming on the podcast and that's how we ended Bye.